Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. Um, last week, we kind of slowly segued into it was Thanksgiving. By the way, how many of you had a good Thanksgiving? Is there anybody still eating turkey? I just want to see your hand. Is there anybody? Oh, we have one person still eating turkey. I won't point you out. How many of you know turkey this old? Never mind. <laughs> anyway, is... Um, but we, we, last week, we kind of talked or we, we segued into something that we call and we feel like is a theme that the Lord is, is breathing on for this month. And it's, in the, and it's just simply prepare him room. I think for those of us who, um, you don't, how many of you know you don't have to be able to sing to sing Christmas carols? How many of you know what I'm saying? They just put you in the back. And they just say, you know what? The ones in front sing loud. We don't want to hear him. How many? Of, how many of you know? But you know that old Christmas carol, "Joy to the world, the Lord has come." Let every heart prepare him room. Every heart prepare him room. And you know, as we come into the Christmas season and all of the traditions that are connected to it, a family, you know, friends and giving, serving. I think Christmas has a time of reflecting. There's just a lot of all of those good things. It's really important that we don't get lost and only see Christmas is about those traditions and forget what Christmas is really about. Christmas has lots of traditions. And what I've noticed is when you go into different countries, different countries have different traditions for Christmas that they kind of, it, it becomes part of it. And the struggle can be that we get so caught up in the tradition that we forget the meaning of Christmas and the purpose of Christmas was before it was ever a tradition, it was about the fulfillment of a promise that was made 4,000 years before the birth of Jesus to bring restoration of the human race to a relationship with God that was not based on their merit, but it was based on God's forgiveness and God's grace in and over their life. And if you study the coming of Jesus, what's amazing is the very ones that were supposed to be waiting for him, looking for him, they had the Old Testament that told all about him that when he came, they weren't prepared. They didn't even recognize him. They weren't looking or expecting. Do you know that if you study the Old Testament, you find out that the amount of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled at his birth, I mean, from the town, from just every, the wise men, the virgin, all of the prophecies that he fulfilled, but, but they had preconceived ideas that had caused them to not recognize him when he came. And they had gotten so busy with their existing traditions of what religion and, and what a relationship with God was all about that they did didn't recognize they needed to prepare him room. They needed to come to a spot where they prepared him room. I like in Galatians chapter four, verse four, it says this, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject 
to the law. Notice the statement, when the right time came, God not only planned for Jesus, but he planned the very specific time for Jesus. And to me, as I look at it and I think about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, God, you planned the time, but the ones that were supposed to be recognizing and looking for you, they didn't even recognize it. I believe that if you'd have asked them, they would have said in that day, we've made him room with their traditions and all of the things that they did. And, and I, you know, you think about it is when we have God moments, it is almost always not as we thought. We, we thought that, God, you were going to do it this way, and then, God, you did it this way. And it's kind of like, how many of you know we have an idea of what growth looks like in our life, an idea of maybe what change looks like in our lives, but we are creatures of comfort. And so growth and change almost always come as a result of a problem or pressure in our life that forces us to make a decision that goes in one direction or in the other direction. And if you look as many of the stories in the Gospels were the result of a problem that people had and they made room for Jesus. They simply said, okay, I'm going to make room for him. I have this problem in my life. And you know, every story in the Gospel is an account that God placed in the Gospel to turn a light on in our life. If you think about it, the Bible says that if everything that was written about Christ was put in the Bible, that the earth itself could not contain all of the volumes. So what that's saying is, is God was very, very planned and strategic about the stories that he put in the Gospels so that we would be able to glean truth from them and to turn a light on and so that we could understand him and it would help us to grow more in what he has for our life. But for that to happen, history reveals we got to prepare him room. We have to say, okay, God, I'm going to prepare you room in my life. I want to just, um, actually, before I go any further, I want to just pray. Um, I know what Christmas is all about. I get it. I, I, I mean, from both sides of it. My first 18 years of existence on the earth is I, Christmas was, I really didn't, I mean, I knew it was about the birth of Jesus, but that was like about this big and everything else was like, this is what Christmas is all about. And I want to pray for us that we would in our lives right now, no matter what is going on in your life, that this Christmas season, you would prepare him room that God would come through in a way, that you would see him in a way that would bring a level of understanding and a level of freedom, maybe to an area that you've never, that you've not experienced before. But I believe that God wants to do it, but we have to prepare him room. How many of you know what I'm saying? Lord, we thank you for your presence in our life. And Lord, our desire is to never take you for granted but to know you in a real and in a personal way. Lord, not just in our great areas, but Lord, to follow your lead in areas that maybe have represented, Lord, hurt, or they've represented pain, or represented setbacks in our life. And Lord, we come to you today, and our desire is to prepare you room. Our desire, say that with me, say, Lord, 
I prepare you room. Show me what that looks like. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when you think about it, is today what we're going to do is we're going to look at a story and talk about preparing him room in what we're going to call a trying or a discouraging area of our lives because we've all got them. How many of you know what I'm saying? Is there anybody that you are walking on water? Everybody else, get a rock ready, okay? Is there anybody that is walking? Every one of us living down here have areas that we stop and we say, okay, this is a trying area. And, and an, a crucial thing is we need to know, God, how do I prepare you room in that area of my life? And what we're gonna do is that we're gonna, maybe even an area that you feel like you have no control over, that this area, I just have no control over that area, or it's an area or areas that we don't like, but it's been there for a long time. It's been there, and it's just been kind of set, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at the account of blind Bartimaeus. Everybody say blind Bartimaeus. If you, the, uh, blind Bartimaeus, the story is in three of the gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. How many of you know that if your mother says something once, it's serious? If she says it twice, it's really serious. And if she says it three times, you better get it. How many of you know what I'm saying? My wife pipes right up. Oh, yeah. Once, second, third for sure. How many of you know what I'm saying? Is it... It's, it is in all, it's in three gospels, this story. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at Mark's account because Mark gives us the most detail about this particular story. Realize this, don't check out and go into the religious box and say, oh, this is just a nice little fairy tale about somebody, something that happened and Jesus is just kind of telling a parable. No, this is an actual account. This is an actual story. It even gives the guy's name, which has significant meaning. And what God wants us to do is to unpack it. And in regard to preparing him room, look at this story and say, okay, I'm going to unpack this. And Lord, how does this apply to my, to my life? This guy had been in this place for a long time. Matthew's account tells us that there was two blind guys, but then Mark and Luke's account, they mention only one guy, but we only have the detail of one of their names, and his name is Bartimaeus. We don't know for sure, but most scholars believe that this guy was born blind. It doesn't say that he was born blind, but as you get into the definition and the meaning of his name, you find out a lot about his particular life. And so I want to just pick up in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through verse 52. It says, then this is Jesus, they meaning him and the, his disciples and those following him reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. What is, just a quick question, what is shout? How many of you watched a football game last night? How many of you watched a football? Were you, was there anybody shouting? Let me just, let me just say this. When, what is a shout? What is a shout? Go ahead. 
I want to. Hey, is that a shout? Okay, look, I just taught you something because I asked you what a shout was and nobody knew what it was. Jack, what is a shout? That is not a shout. That is not a shout. Preston, what is a shout? That's better, but that is still not a shout. That was not. How many of you think, okay, look, there's a crowd around Jesus. Do you think he, Jesus would have, we're going to find out he heard. Do you think Jesus would have heard that shout? If there's a crowd around him, this guy starts shouting, okay, what do you think it sounded like? Go ahead. Josh, what do you think it sounded like? Who said that? Who said, who shouted? There we go. Right back. Josiah. Come on, Josiah. Okay, gosh. Jesus is passing by and we're just like, yo. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it says that, notice it says, it says, he began to shout. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now look at the crowd. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. Let me just, just an inside track. If you'd have shouted like everybody else just shouted, nobody would have said, be quiet. (laughs) Nobody would have said it. But he only shouted louder. So he's shouting, and then it goes from be quiet to louder. What is loud shouting, Brad? Hey, I like that. See, how many of you know that's loud shouting? So they, but, they only, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. What I want you to notice is he, is he got Jesus' attention. Jesus didn't go through the crowd saying, where's Bartimaeus? He got Jesus' attention. Above the crowd and above everybody else, he got Jesus' attention. It's, so, they, so, they, so when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here, verse 49. So they called the blind man, and this is what their words were. Cheer up. They said, come on, he's calling you. Verse 50. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Verse 51, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. Now look at this statement, my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Now what I want you to notice, and I want to just give a little, unpack this a little bit, is that if you were born blind in the New Testament, Jewish tradition was they believed that you were cursed by God because of a sin that you either committed in your womb or your parents sinned while they were carrying you. And if you don't believe this, look at John 9, 1, because the disciples were passing by a guy that was born blind and they said to Jesus, this is what they said. They said, Jesus This man's sin, that's what they said, 
Was it him or his parents? Even the disciples, it was Jewish tradition. How many of you know that is an oppressive thing to live under? To be able, and so, the, and so they had this belief that if you were born blind, it was because you either sinned in the womb or your parents sinned and it was God judging you and now you were cursed by God. If you were born blind, that is a double whammy. Not only can I not see, but the belief that I'm cursed by God. The belief that this is penance, this is payment for what I've done. Many people, and I want to just throw this out, there's a lot of people today that have a wrong belief about God and his view of them because of a mistake that they've made in their life. They've made a mistake and they believe God's doing this, God's punishing, whatever, whatever, whatever. I want to tell you, that is not real far from that right there. God is a forgiver. God is a great, God has grace and he has mercy. Yes, we reap fruit in our life, but God, Jesus, the Bible says, was made a curse for us. Jesus bore the consequences of sin on his back. And the next thing is, is it says this, that he was a blind, he was a beggar. Think about this for a moment. Is that in their day, there were no social programs. There was no, you couldn't go over and sign up for assistance. And so that what they would do is they would sanction Rome and the temple would sanction legitimate beggars by giving them a garment. And that garment was a coat. And then what would happen is, is they would put them in a main thoroughfare or where there's a lot of traffic so that they could legally beg. And the coat was a license that said to everybody else that they're legitimate. This is a legitimate licensed person. They're not faking it. They're legitimately. And so what it is, it was called a beggar's garment. And it literally was their identity to get their next meal. It was their provision vision to be taken care of. You can tell by this guy that he's an adult. Then if you look is the, the place in that thoroughfare that they were, it was almost like a license that this is your spot. And so when Jesus is going by this particular spot, this guy is in his spot and Jesus goes not right next to him, but within earshot of him. And what you hear is that he must have heard something about Jesus. But I want to unpack his name a little bit. If you look up the name Bartimaeus, this is what it means. It means to be unclean. It means to be impure ethically and religiously, ritually and in all places. It means to be foul in a religious sense, to be defiled, polluted, and unclean. You say, why did you unpack that? Well, realize this, that his parents named him this. His parents named him that. So that's why they believe he was born blind, because if you look at his father's name, remember the son of Timaeus, Timaeus means highly prized. That's what his name means. And so the, the unpacking of this in the picture of this is that when he was born blind, his parents believed that he was cursed. His parents believed that this was the result of sin. And every single time they said his name to him and they said it in public, what it was literally saying is you are cursed by God because you're foul, you're polluted, you're corrupt because of sin. You are, they believed that he came from a very religious family and you can see by the name. And so now you 
you got this guy who's an adult in his entire life. They've been shouting over the top of his life. You are unclean. You're unpure. You're religiously unacceptable. You're judged by God. You know, you're blind because of. They, he heard this over and over and over. And you, you, you think about it. Is that when you look at this, is that this is the guy that's sitting on the side of the road when Jesus comes by. He's, good, he's sitting on the side of the road. And this was his reality. And this is number one. I'm just going to give you four takeaways from this story. Is he heard and believed good about Jesus. Regardless of what he experienced in his past. Regardless of what other people told him about God. Regardless of what he was raised in. When he heard about Jesus and he heard the mercy of God and he heard the grace of God. He not only heard it, but he believed good about Jesus. Realize this, that when we talk about preparing him room in our life, is we not only have to hear that God's good, but we got to believe that God's good. We got, you say, well, you know, this is just my weakness. This is just my area. This is just my struggle. Do you, do, you, do you know that God's good? Yes. Do you believe that he's good and he'll meet you at that spot? Oh, that's where I struggle. He not only heard, but he believed. And I wonder today, us here, how many of us, he was teachable even though he'd been in that place for a long time. He was teachable. You say, well, what do you mean by that? We can hear, but teachableness has to do with if I believe it. Teachable is, okay, God, this has been my history. This has been my track record. This has been what's gone on in my family. This not just happened in my family. This happened in my mama's, 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 mama's family. How many of you know what I'm saying? Or my daddy's, 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 daddy's family. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so this is just the way, you know, people, oh, this is just the Irish in me. No, it is not. This is just the German in me. No, it is not. It is just a bend that Jesus is saying, do you, do, are you willing to hear that I'm good and believe that I'm good? That's where you got to start right now. Regardless of how long it's been there, regardless of the struggles, the mistakes, the failures, all of that stuff, you got to be willing to say, okay, God, Jesus, I've heard and I believe. You know, I know that we're at church and all of us love God. But who have I listened to? And what have I heard about God that pertains to my area of struggle? Who have I listened to? And what do I believe in regard to my area? What do I believe about Jesus? This guy had heard some things about Jesus and it motivated him more than his past. He didn't believe that he was too far gone. I'm just going to throw this out here right now. If you are breathing, you are not too far gone. He didn't believe he was too far gone. You know, uh, my greatest hindrance in coming to God, I didn't come to the Lord till I was 18 years old, but my greatest hindrance in coming to God was I had a false belief system about him. And that belief system kept me to where I thought God wanted me to be like this. I was kind of, um, I was, how many of you would admit, come on now, Jesus is looking. 
You were the black sheep in the family. Put your hand up. How many of you know what I'm saying? See? Okay. Well, four of us or six of us. <laughs> okay. I wanted God, but I believed that what God wanted me was to be this stereotype, this pressed in a mold, this function like this, and I couldn't function like that. I was in extreme, I liked extreme sports. How many of you are extreme sport? I remember getting busted by the Catholic priest um, for untying the rope off the flagpole and realizing that I could climb up on the second story window and run across their flat roof, hold on to that rope and swing out over the street. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To a thing. And I remember swinging around and I'm swinging. I was like, this is so cool. Until the priest came out the door. How many of you know what I'm saying? I'm going around the pole, going around the pole. Okay, look, y'all, some of you are looking at me like, some of you are like, oh, I'm in the right church. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and a Catholic priest came out with his full garb. What are you doing? I thought I'm running as soon as I can get close enough to the ground. Because <laughs> I could tell by you, you can't catch me. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> My whole view came from a wrong perspective. And when I realized how good God was, how much he loved me, it affected what I heard and what I believed in my life, which totally changed my life. Number two is this. Notice, you know, I, and I said it earlier, is he didn't care what others thought. Remember, he was yelling. And then verse 48, it says, they said, be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. So he yelled and they yelled back. How many of you are yellers? You know what I'm saying? He yelled and they yelled back but he only shouted louder. You know what I call that? Shouting them down. How many of you know what I'm saying? He just kept, he yelled, son of David, have mercy on me. See, they tried to shut him up. And I just want to go back to number two is he didn't care what others thought. He had a greater fear of God than he did of man in his life. And he stopped and he said, this is my moment. You know, many care more about what other people say and think about them than what God says and what God thinks. They care more about what everybody else. I mean, what I want you to notice is this. Had this guy not did what he'd done, we would have never had him in the Bible. It wasn't just God. It was him. And had he not did what he did, we'd have never had him in the Bible. You know, I mean, I know I can stand up here. We've all had things said about us. People are going to say things about you. Just get used to it, especially if you start chasing Jesus. And what it is, is it tries to limit us and hurts try to limit us. And they try to limit what God has promised to do. But when we, when we found out that God, what God says about us in our life, we've got to do something with all of the words that were spoken over our life that are opposed to what God is saying about us. Notice, 
Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus had heard over and over and over and over. But when he heard about Jesus and believed about Jesus, what Jesus said and what he believed, it literally drowned out all of the voices of his past. This guy believed more in the good news than the bad news in his life. He believed more about the good news of what Jesus had done and what Jesus Jesus had said. I want you to think about this for a moment. There, when, you, when you talk about driving an automobile, there is a reason why the windshield is big and the rear view mirror is small. The rear view mirror, we should all have a rear view mirror in our life, but it should be really small that we learn from the stuff in the past, but we're more consumed about where we're going than where we've been. And what the enemy tries to get us to do is to look at our future through the rear view mirror and realize this, if you try to drive looking through the rear view mirror, you are a wreck looking for a place to happen. But if we will stop in our life and say, you know what? The past is in the past. And you know what? Yes, I can see. I'm going to learn from that. But my focus and my attention is going to be in the future, not in the past. What if this guy would have said, you know, my parents named me. This is the way it's always been. What if he would have been so consumed about his past that he would have never looked to the future. And what God does is he comes into our life and he says, you know, you've been through some things, but the things are in the past. You need to quit reminding yourself and rehearsing the mistakes. You need to learn from them. You need to look at them and say, God, I need you to help me with these, but be more consumed with what God's doing than where you've been. Number three is this. This is number three, and I have three minutes. Number three is he was willing to adjust his view of himself and to align with Jesus' view of him. He was willing to adjust it. He was willing. You know, this was, be, think of what I want you to think about this is look at what it says in verse 50. When he heard that Jesus was calling him, and remember, he got up and went to Jesus, nothing has changed yet. Nothing has changed in his life. Before anything changed naturally, he, look at what it says in verse 50, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Now remember his coat. His coat was his license to stay in the old. His coat was what gave him permission to beg in order to make a living. The moment that he heard about Jesus, it says, and it only says this in Mark, is he threw off his coat or his identity with the old because he believed God was good and writing his future. And I wonder how many of us in our lives is... God is saying, I need you to make room, but you need to throw off that old limiting, hindering identity of the way that you see yourself. I need you to throw it off in order to step into what I've got for your life. See, we can always tell what we rehearse in our mind the most by what is coming out of our mouth and what we identify the easiest with. This guy identified with Jesus' calling me. I ain't going to need this thing anymore. And he jumped up and he went toward Jesus. Number four is this, is my last one. 
He went all in regardless of the hurts of his past. He went all in regardless. Now, I'm, all of us have hurts. Everybody has hurts. How many of you know what I'm saying? All of us. We have to come to a spot where we say, Lord, I've got an area. But connected to that area, I need to prepare you room. But I need to stop allowing those hurts to get me to cycle back and start saying, okay, God, what I realize is I'm going to go all in regardless of the hurts of my past. See, we can't move in to what God has. And I said it earlier, we can't move into what God has for us tomorrow looking through the rearview mirror. And sometimes in our life, you know, you say, gosh, I, you know, I get it. Every, some people are, it helps them to unpack things and talk about it and let it go. Other people don't. But this is what I know, that if the past keeps repeating itself, we have to do something different or we'll keep getting the same results. We have to stop and say, okay, God, I see this. I see what you're wanting. We got to learn from the past so we don't make the same mistakes, but live inspired by making room in my now. And that comes from me looking ahead, not behind in my life. You know, the, I think you, you stop and you think about it. You look at this. Is my actions really reveal my true beliefs? They do. My actions reveal my true beliefs, not my state of beliefs, my true beliefs. How many of you know what I'm saying? I noticed that Micah's coming home uh, this week. And, um, but I noticed this about all of my kids, that when they come into my house, my refrigerator is their refrigerator. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you know what I'm saying? And if they're going to be around for a couple or a few days, my freezer is their, their freezer too. But what it reveals is that they believe something. And it's a good belief. How many of you know what I'm saying? They, if they were to come to my refrigerator and kind of count, you think I could have a glass? It's like, dude, what have I done wrong? How many of you know what I'm saying? My actions reveal my beliefs. And what God is saying is let me in to your beliefs. I will we'll adjust those actions, which will change your results in life. Amen? Stand up if you would. Lord, our desire today is to prepare you room. Lord, our desire today is to experience you. And as we've talked about preparing you room, Lord, some of us, we've got traditions or ways of thinking. And what you're wanting to do is to take us in a deeper, closer, freer place than we've ever been in our life. And Lord, today we come before you and we say yes. Say that with me. Say yes, Lord. I need you. Lord, help me. What are you saying to me that I need to let go of? Quit looking at Quit being consumed with and start looking to the future. Lord, today as we come before you, we invite 
your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord.